Welcome back to the Lucid Spiritual Podcast. I'm your host, Britton Beckham, and today we're going to be talking about how to step into our true self, because that's what this is all about. That's what this life is all about, is just stepping into who you really are. And then we're going to talk about the pitfalls of when you finally start to do that, or maybe you've already started to do that, but there are pitfalls. We're going to talk about it right now. Stepping into your true self takes a lot of courage, and sometimes we don't know where to begin. So I've got a few steps outlined here I want to talk about, and I want to explain some of the things I did and how they helped me, and maybe share some of those with you so that, you know, maybe if you're trying to do the same thing, it could help you, or you could share some of this with a friend. So how do we step onto our true selves? It's like, where do we begin? What is our true self, first of all? Um, this is something that's hard to define. I, w- I would think that the, the best way to define this is to basically just say it's the most non-resistive you that you could be. Who are you without having to feel like you're carrying the burden of some other personality that really isn't you? We're so deep into our belief systems that we've been taught, our culture, our religion, our parents, our schooling, um, our achievements, the people that we love, our family, our friends, our job, our career, all these things define or attempt to define who we are, but they never succeed. And so where do we start with this journey of moving out of an illusion of who we are, who we think we are, into the true authentic self? I would say probably the first step that everyone has to do, and I think most people I've met that have taken this path have done as their first thing, because it becomes your cognitive dissonance becomes so great that you begin to question everything. And I'm going to put a little emphasis on everything because I think that we get a little lazy as we begin to question things and we'll, you know, we'll question it, but then we'll be like, "Mm, we'll get, get to a point that feels a little bit better than what we felt, right? We're a little bit less burdened with these identities and personalities that we don't, that don't vibrate or resonate with us. And so we give up on the seeking path because the questioning has got us to a point where we're a little bit more comfortable. But I would say a true seeker will always maintain the state of questioning all things. So that can sound exhausting, but it's also extremely useful in digging deep into the self because that's all you're doing is you're going inward here. So we, we begin by questioning everything, put it all on the table, every belief, you know, every idea, every thought, and it just is layers and layers. And when you think you're done, you're not done. So this, this uh, idea of question, in fact, actually, it's funny. I just, just thought of this. In my email, I've had the same, uh, like, signature in my email for years. And here's what it says. It's a quote by Thomas Jefferson. Fix reason firmly in her seat and call to her tribunal every fact, every opinion. Question with boldness even the existence of a God, because if there be one, he must more approve the homage of reason than that of blindfolded fear. Oh man, that gives me chills. I That's so cool that I've, I've actually had that for so long in my email, but like it really has been a core concept of my being. 
And even though I was in I was in religion and that of Mormonism for so many years with this mindset of questioning things, it was very hard to question the most core thing, right? The label that I'd put on myself of, well, first, what I believed the universe was, God, and then ultimately truth. And because those things I held as fundamental, they were core to who I was. It was the hardest part of questioning, right? But as soon as I put those on the table, the answers just started coming at full force like a fire hose. So getting the mindset and maintaining that mindset of almost ingraining it in the way that you move through your experiences each day of questioning everything is very healthy. Um, because you don't know you don't know what other things you're subscribed to that are false. And so that kind of leads into the next thing of shedding old beliefs. You know, we have so many beliefs that we we have obtained over the years. We have to shed them. The path of stepping into our true nature is not one of learning new things. It's actually unlearning everything. And as we move into unlearning, what we're doing is we're just removing the limiting labels and belief systems that we've given ourselves. I'm a this, I'm a that, I think like this, I'm a this type of person. And some of those could actually be your true part of your true authentic self. However, most likely a lot of them are not if you're still on this path or new to the path. And even if you've been on the path for quite some time, it's hard to shed old beliefs that, you know, you may have obtained when you were a child. And that's why there's these practices of healing that I've talked about in the past. Like, how do we shed beliefs? It's a very hard thing to do. They're hardwired into the brain with neur- neurologically. And so we have to, um, it, it, it takes great effort of letting go to be able to shed those beliefs. And then again, when you have finally acknowledged and identified the false belief that has limited you, and brought to you the suffering, that cycle of suffering, that limiting belief that says you have to do this, you have to undergo this because that's, you know, I'm, I know a girl that um, struggles with, with bringing certain types of men into her life. She's still trying to figure out that limiting belief that causes that. It's not like she's foreordained to bring these men into her life. It's just that she believes deep down inside that that's what she's worthy of. And so like a magnet... She attracts that into her experience again and again, just like we do with anything. We attract that into our experience so that we will finally question that limiting belief. Um, In one of the books I read called The Raw Contact, Ra uh, talks about how everything that we experience is really catalyst. Catalyst is just a a term that, you know, um, gives us an opportunity to really see things for what they are. And most people just take catalyst and don't know what to do with it, and so they end up suffering. Um, but we can transfer every time we experience any catalyst, we can use it as an opportunity to transmute the energy into a different polarity from negative to positive, or really positive to negative, if you want to look at it that way. So shedding those old beliefs can take a lot of time and healing and steps. Now, ultimately, healing can happen instantaneously as soon as those beliefs are shed, but we believe that it takes time, and so time ends up being this huge part of our healing when it doesn't have to be. But most of us are still struggling with these concepts so deeply that it does take multiple cycles to eventually let them go. Um, Okay, so, you know, shedding old beliefs, and, you know, if if you... if you want to heal from those, you can go see somebody. Um, I've talked about you know sound healing, but there's so many modalities, and I think the main one that needs to be done is 
that, that will help people the most is, is probably going in and seeing um, some sort of psychotherapy, but a, not a standard psychotherapist, um, someone that has uh, s- some training in kinesiology and can connect with, you know, getting to the root of an issue quicker and that's trained well and guiding you through processing that quickly. Um, standard psychotherapy can take years and years and years to get to the root of a single issue with, um, with more advanced spiritual, um, psychotherapists, they can get to the root of an issue within about 10 minutes, maybe 15 or 20. And then you can spend the rest of the hour and not years processing that one thing. And it may take a few instances to come back and, and reprocess a certain event or events that are related. Anyway, that's how we can shed those old beliefs and then we can move on in our vibration raises because we're no longer holding to that negative lower vibration. So the next thing that is really useful in stepping into our true self is getting out of fear-based decision-making. This is probably one of the hardest things to do. I believe this particular step is very, very connected to the heart. I remember this one time I was sitting um, in a pool with some friends. We were actually just sitting on the edge of the pool. I was sitting there, I'm just, I, I just wanted to meditate and everybody was sitting there talking and I just went deep into a meditation and I felt this energy move up my spine and go to my heart and I could feel my heart beating so heavily. But then I felt this magnetic, it was like this weird magnet that was from my head to my heart and I could feel the field going around my body and I could feel like as I just sat there, I could feel the field um, just it was, it was, it was very interesting. It was like I was in a magnetic field and I could feel it, but it was connecting from my, my head to my heart. And now I know that that's called brain heart coherence. And it's a, an actual studied topic. And Dr. Joe Dispenza, many other, um, you know, spiritual teachers, um, and brain heart coherence is basically when your heart and brain are actually in sync with their, with their electrical signals. And it causes, um, this amplitude of, of wave that occurs through, you know, amplitude of electrical energy that occurs through your body and creates a huge magnetic field. And that magnetic field is very, very powerful. So I guess what I'm trying to say with, by saying this was when we move from, oh, it was, here was, was the thought was, you know, when I had that experience, I had no idea about brain heart coherence. I was like, what is going on? I told my wife, I'm like, this is what happened to me. This is what I felt. Do you, have you heard of anything about brain and heart? And then all of a sudden it was like, the, it's like these things that had been all around me that I'd never really saw or understood all of a sudden made all the sense to me. And I was getting all this information about the pathway from, you know, this life in this life is from the head to the heart. It's moving away from the cerebral thinking. That's the fear-based decision-making because it's logical. It's always analytical. And we feel like the fear, that fear comes, we're like, oh, good God, you know, like, uh, an example of fear-based decision-making might be like, well, I don't want to say something that could potentially offend somebody, but there are many ways that we can feel almost pressured into making certain decisions because of fear, fear of something happening to me, something happening to a loved one, right? And even peer pressure, somebody's not going to accept me if I don't make a certain decision and do something a certain way or behave a certain way. Because a lot of fear-based decision-making is actually getting you to behave in a certain way that actually doesn't jive with who you are. And so um, to get away from fear-based decision is moving into the heart to make decisions and moving into that and intuition, the infinite knowledge that exists within oneself, but is only tapped through intuition. So we need to get away from the fear-based decision-making. Um, if there's ever fear, you know it's not of a spiritual nature. It's not of your true inner self. 
because the true self does not fear anything. It simply cannot, because there's nothing to fear. That's why the saying, um, there's nothing to fear except fear itself, is actually such a true thing, because really the only thing that we're fearing is the fear of fear. There's so much more into our experience than just random happenstance that we don't need to fear. So that kind of leads me into actually the next thing. I just wrote these, these, these bullet points down really quick, and it's working out to be pretty well, well planned. Um, anyway, so as we move away from fear-based decision-making, we can access the intuition of the heart through sitting in silence. And of course, that is a form of meditation, just like sound healing is a form of meditation, just like guided meditation or yoga or the many types of yogas, really sitting in silence or meditation itself is yoga, which is, as I mentioned in another episode, yoga is union. Yoke, yoga, yog, they, they're all the same uh, word, um, root derivative, sorry. So that union, what are we unioning with? Well, we're unioning with our self, our spiritual self. We're yoking again with the one infinite creator that is within all of us. And so sitting in silence gives the opportunity for that spirit, that knowledge, that, um, that intuition to get heard because it's always there. It's always talking. It's always, I wouldn't say talking is the wrong word, but it's always sending us messages. If we would sit in silence, we can be so much more in tune with that, that information and that, that inner self, that beautiful, always present, loving, never condemning part of ourselves. So how do we do that? Well, there's a lot of practicing that goes into sitting in silence and meditating, but there's no wrong way to do it. You just, just start doing it. And I know it can be difficult because when I first started meditating, I was just bombarded with thoughts, you know, like, oh my gosh, my mind is so on hyperdrive. And truly, all, all of us are in that state. We're constantly being bombarded by these thoughts. We really have to recognize that that's not us. It simply is not who we really are. Those thoughts are not who we really are. And we have to stop identifying ourselves with everything that we think and feel. So um, sitting in silence is one way to do that. And connecting with the earth, having rituals that are, are meaningful, and connect with yourself are ways to do that. So anyway, I won't go to in, into too much depth upon that, but we'll probably cover it in another episode. Another way that we can step into our true self is, is then once we start doing these, these practices of questioning, shedding old beliefs, um, you know, overcoming fear-based decision-making, and then learning how to receive intuition and knowledge from our higher self, is feeling comfortable about who we really are. You know, so feeling comfortable in our own skin. Um, that may mean that we are comfortable with our sexual identity, with our race, with our uh, gender, with, you know, a lot of different things, right? Who, who are you? And again, I'm not saying that the things that you're born with, but the things that you feel inclined about, not because somebody or something told you that you should do that, but because you, it literally is just resonating with you. Here, here's an example. In Mormonism, we have callings. Um, you know, these are basically jobs that you get in the church, everybody's got like a little calling or a job. Why? Because the church needs to just function and it needs to function without having to pay everybody to do everything. And so um, they, they kind of give you this concept that you're, you're called to this and it, 
the bishop of your congregation, the ward calls you into it, they're supposed to do it with some sort of revelation, prayer, and thought and insight, which is great. But one is not called to something by another. One is called to something by the self. And so a true calling is something that you cannot shake away. Something that you not only, um, like in, in the church, sometimes you might reluctantly accept a calling. Um, a real calling, you, you would not only not, not accept, but you would just jump on and want to do because it just, you yearn for it, right? That's a true calling. So feeling comfortable in your own skin is just being able to be you, your authentic you, you know, whoever you are, like who, whatever identity you've taken on in this life. I, I shouldn't even say it that way because that's just not, that's not right. Like it's really who you are to the core, that core self, that's your feeling comfortable in your own skin, right? So what's another example of this? You know, we talked about sexual um, preference. This is a huge one for a lot of people because, you know, it's so taboo to talk about sex. And especially if you're in the, in the church or in a religion, um, you know, th- there's very strict sort of guidelines or rules about how sex should be practiced and how sex should be um, looked at. And it's all unhealthy. Everything just know that everything in religion about sex is unhealthy and it's also not beneficial. It's not, it's not utilizing, it's not understanding sex in the correct nature that it really is. And so, um, anytime that you, anytime that sexual anything is being frowned upon, that's because it's, it's shamed and it's not understood or it's, I should say it's not understood and therefore shamed. Sexual interaction between any two persons is a beautiful thing. Um, it is a way to express love. It is a way to connect on different dimensions, uh, such as the spiritual dimension, the energy body, the mental dimension. Uh, there's many ways that we can connect, and it aligns our chakras with each other. Sex is so misunderstood. It is so uh, literally fucked up uh, in religious teaching that most people will turn to pornography because of the repression that they have had to deal with for so many years telling them that it's wrong, telling them that God doesn't want them to do it, telling them that it's only meant for marriage, telling them that, you know, that, that the list goes on and on, that it only should be performed in a specific way and with, the, you know, blah, 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 blah. And all that is just lies. It's absolute lies. Being able to be okay with your sexual identity and being able to be okay with sex in general and understanding that it's this beautiful interaction that has so much potential to heal and to um, elevate and to ascend the self and another self that, yeah, like religion has just destroyed it, destroyed it. And then, of course, you know, I mean, if this is not obvious within the Mormon church, it's super obvious within the Catholic church, you know, because of how much has come out about the abuse of little boys and, and things like that by these celibate men. And it's, it's set, we have such a strong urge to be sexual. Why are we repressing this? I mean, most all of society's issues come from repression of natural desire. You know, it's, it's the fact, the reason why sex is exploited in the way it is in our day with pornography and other things is because it's repressed. Rape, well, yeah, I mean, it's probably highly related to the fact that these people have been told to not, you know, you can't have sex, you can't exercise, you can't do this. And so eventually they just pop. And, and so if we, if we would teach sexual interaction with a healthy um, mindset and that it's okay to, to, to practice and to do 
even at an early age, like I could see our society healing our sexual problems in a generation. So that was just one example, but there's many others. So, uh, you know, consider whatever else you, whatever you really truly want to be, but you can't be because, you know, person A, B, or C, religion tells me not to, God says it's wrong, yada, yada, yada. Get the courage to be comfortable in your own skin. And when you do that, you, you will feel so, so relieved. You will feel so much gratitude inside and so, um, so much self-love once you, once you accept who you are. Okay, so another thing that we can do to help ourselves in being true and authentic to ourselves is loving the dark side. Because guess what? We all got one. We've, we're all um, in duality here. So we, we all have to realize that we are capable of both light and dark, negative and positive interactions in our relationships. And to reject that part of you is only to reject a part of yourself, your true self. It's, I guess I should have worded that was to reject an act that you do, that you perceive as negative or dark or ugly or sinful, is to only reject yourself. Now, does that fulfill what Jesus taught about being whole? Be ye therefore perfect, which he means, of course, is whole. Not perfect as in not making a sin. There is no sin. Sin well, I'll get into that in my next bullet point, actually. But loving that dark side of yourself, you know, oh, I make mistakes, I yell at people, I get mad, I get angry, I hit things. Like, it's oh, it's okay to have that emotion. And you don't need to judge yourself for having the emotion. But you can step back from it and just, you know, understand it. Oh, there was this thing I posted on Instagram. Uh, let me find it real quick. It's it's really cool. I put it in my my stories. Okay, so it, it's just a it's just a little picture, and I find these on on Instagram every now and again. Okay, so it's just it's just a little um it's just like a little a picture with some you know frames on it, but basically it's it shows this like negative scribbly shadow of a person next to a person, and it says that we can acknowledge it, and and then that shadow is sitting outside the the person, and the next step is the shadow intertwined with the person, and then it says it, it's it's subtitled feel it. So first we acknowledge our feeling and then we allow ourselves to feel it. We don't reject it, suppress it or whatever. It's not wrong. Just step into the feeling. And then it shows the next frame is like him, this, this little guy, he's, he's meditating in the, the dark ball of energy and it's subtitled find peace in it, right? Oh, it's okay to feel it. Okay. I can be peaceful. I'm angry about such and such thing or so-and-so said that and I'm angry about it. It's okay. Find peace in that feeling. Understand that it's just part of you. And then finally be free. And then it shows the energy, um, kind of the negative energy going out the shadow and the light pouring in through the top. So yeah, like part of, part of just loving ourselves and stepping into our true selves is, is not rejecting any part of ourselves. We don't get further by rejection. We, we get further by acceptance. Okay, so the next thing is letting go of judgment. And, and I mean judgment in its entirety. How do we do that? Well, very difficult, easier said than done. But the first thing we have to do is we have to get rid of this, these concepts of right and wrong, good or bad, righteous, wicked. Those are barriers, limitations, boxes, whatever you want to call them. They, they, they do not serve us in connecting and uniting with fellow men. Because as soon as you make a judgment of that person is a fill in the blank, or that is wrong, or that is bad, or he is bad and he is good, 
you're basically creating separation within your mind because the separation is not really there. We're all connected. We're all part of the same beautiful energy. But when we create labels like that and we judge things, then we're separating them in our reality. And so we're not aligned with true reality. So we have to let go of judgment entirely. And we have to um, understand that, you know, everybody's making decisions and they're making the best decision they can from their state of consciousness. I think that's the easiest way to let go of judgment. This is not a, this is not a way of judging another person. It's just acknowledging where we're at and that not everybody's where we're at. Some are, have moved on past this much further. Some have not yet understood the concept of judgment and they're still judging. And so we just acknowledge where we're at. We acknowledge where the other person is at and that is fine. It is what it is. And when we let go of the right and wrong, good or bad, rich, uh, wicked and righteous, um, we will see with new eyes and we will be able to love people no matter what is going on. I mean, this is, just think about this. You know, you've heard families where, and, and this is a really useful example because it happens so much in the church, uh, uh, the Mormon church, but essentially you've heard families rejecting their own children because they come out with their sexual identity. How could you? You know, and they just immediately move to judgment and create that divide between them. Why? Because, oh, you, you no longer think the same way. You aren't the same person that I thought you were. Okay. And is that a reason not to love them? Like, it's so silly. We, we create these boundaries and these limits on people and they have to operate within this predetermined box before we're going to accept them. Like silly, right? And that's essentially what religion does. Religion is so good at making a divide um, of wicked and righteous, good or bad, member, non-member, whatever you want to, I mean, there's so many ways to slice and dice this. You know, even with its rules, like if you don't do X, then you're not going to be saved. So I've got to, you're not going to, you're not one of us until you've done X, baptism, marriage in the temple, whatever. And so um, we just have to let it all go. And this is actually such a relieving activity. It's just like um, getting rid of the fear-based decision-making or, um, yeah, like feeling comfortable in your own skin. Like letting go of judgment is just, you don't, you don't need to waste energy there. You don't need to waste energy at all on judging things. It just is what it is. Now, this gets really complicated when you get into like the complexity of our society, when you get into those that want power and that do really kind of um, selfish things for power. You look at political parties and how they play against each other. And there's really, you know, the, the political parties are really just puppets um, for an even darker and greater power over them. And so it's really, at this point, you're, you're just like, you realize, oh my gosh, like that there's a lot of corruption in this world and, and people want to call it evil, but I'm not going to call it that. I'm going to just call it serve the, the service towards self. You, you can label it. I mean, even that's going a little too far, but that's the best way to do it is calling it self-service versus service to others. <clears throat> and so um, you kind of just have to leave it at that and realize that somebody's chosen a different path. We're all on the same journey. There's just a lot of different paths. So they've chosen one that's more um, devoted to worshiping or you, you could say acknowledging or serving the creator by serving the self. Now, if the creator is within all of us, it's still service to the creator, but it is done in a different way. Um, okay, so knowing you are one with spirit, 
So after you let go of judgment, you can know that you are one with spirit. Okay, it doesn't matter what my preferences are. It doesn't matter who I am inside. I can let that light shine because I'm one with spirit, and I know that already. Jesus, right? Jesus talked about being one with God, and we don't have to wait until you know some sort of future resurrection state for that oneness. The oneness can happen now and is actually already. We simply need to realize it. So there's no, um, there is no act or thing that you need to do to perform to be worthy of being one with spirit. You're already one with spirit. You can't not be one, but you certainly can disbelieve it. And you certainly can act as if it's not a, not real. But when you step into that knowledge that you are one with spirit and you have access to, to all the same things that, you know, quote unquote, these authoritative um, leaders in religion say that they are, that you have the same authority, if you will, the same power, the same access, the exact same access. You have the exact same ability to, in, to be in touch with God as any other person that has ever lived on this planet or anywhere in the universe. Okay? That's including Jesus. We just need to realize that Jesus was the prototypically saved person on this planet. He showed us that this is what we can be. But we all want to believe, no, 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 no. Nope, Jesus was special. Jesus, uh, he's the son of God. He, he, nobody's like him. No, no, that would mean that there's some there's special people in the universe, and then there's not special people. And then that would also mean that God is a, a biased God, uh, a, a God that does not have unconditional love, a God that does not have unconditional blessing, a universe that is partial. So you can, you can subscribe to that if it serves you, but you don't have to subscribe to that. Jesus was just showing us the way. He is the light in the life because we all have the light in the life within us. And when we acknowledge that and we live it, we can let that light so shine. And this leads me to the final thing of stepping into our true nature, our true self, our true authentic self, and that is being love because we are love. Love is the ultimate power. I want you to think about this for a minute. If you have unconditional love, what is that? It's it. It is total understanding and acceptance of something, some state of something, a, a relationship, an action against you or against another. It is a total state of understanding and acceptance. If someone's coming at you and you transmute whatever energy they send you into total love and acceptance, it immediately eliminates whatever the attack was. There is no attack. Attack simply cannot coexist with love. And that essence was, is within all of us. We have that. But this is going back to that duality. We have a dark side and we have a light side. And when we balance that energy, it's love. Love is not the highest vibration. Love is the middle. It's the exact middle. That's why our heart centers, the, um, the heart chakra which is our heart center, is the middle chakra. It's right in the center of the body. Everything points to it being in the middle, right? You got three chakras above it, three chakras below it. We can transmute energy with love. We can take it from lower vibration to higher vibration. It just eliminates any bias at all. It just realizes that it is. And so being love, we can be love 
not act with love. We can be love. These are just some of the ideas I, I jotted down right before I started recording this because I just felt super strongly about it. Now, what about the pitfalls? I'm just going to go through these real quick. There are pitfalls as we move through these steps of identifying and aligning with our true nature. There's always going to be pitfalls. And those pitfalls are there to help us go deeper into understanding the self. Okay, that's what this is all about. How, who are we? What are we? So the first one I want to mention is just getting wrapped up in the illusion. Well, what's the illusion? The illusion is that this life is not what it seems. And there's more than meets the eye. And the illusion that we are free. That, you know, you're born into a family. You're told what, how to live. You're told who you are. You're given a name. You're all these things. And that's, that's, the, the, that's the character you play out. Now, are you playing the character or is the character playing you? That's the question. So the illusion is that you are playing the character, but most of the time the character's playing you. So we can get wrapped up in the illusion. There's so many ways. The, the, the quickest and easiest way to see when we're wrapped up in something is how we feel if we feel attacked or threatened when something happens to something we you know, connect ourselves with, when we identify with something. For example, when we identify with a group, uh, a, a set of people, a party, any type of politics, and I'm not talking just um, politics at the uh, national level. I'm not talking just political um, parties, but also, you know, politics within an organization. When we identify with any organization and that organization, thing, or event is threatened in any way by another person and we feel anger or offense, it's a telltale sign that we are wrapped up in the illusion because that thing is not us, yet we've identified with it. We're identifying with something that is external to who we really are or not even really external, just something that isn't really us. It's, it's, it's an illusion. This is what is taught in yogic um, teachings and traditions is that reality is like a big show to capture your attention. And it really does, this reality, of course. True reality is much different. The great play, if you will, that's being played out before our eyes is so amazing and mesmerizing that we're caught up in it and we forget that we're not part of it. And that the teaching of being in the world, but not of it. This is the true meaning of the teaching. You're here, you're in this world, but you aren't from this world. Just like Jesus said that. I am not from here. Right? You're not, you're not from here. So let's not get caught up in the illusion and, and, and get sucked into all the things that they want you to get sucked into. Because this, the moment you give your attention to part of that illusion, you give it power. Whose power? Your power. Just don't give your power to others. It's that simple. Don't do it. Don't identify with something. Oh my gosh, politics. Politics. It captures so many people. Just let it go. How does it serve you? You're going to watch these talking heads talk about blah, 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 blah all day long. Oh no, I got I got Britain. I've got to stay informed. Really? What happened to the all knowing intuition that sits within you that allows you to distinguish light from, from dark? You don't need fucking heads to propagandize and indoctrinate you 
to know how to make decisions in this life. You simply do not need it. So, um, in fact, <laughs> this is what's coming to my mind. Jesus, when he was asked about paying taxes, you know, they threw him a coin. Hey, this coin's got Caesar's picture on it. What should we do? Should we pay taxes? Or I think, I think should, he asked for the coin. Let me see a coin. Should we pay taxes, Jesus? Well, let me see a coin. Whose inscription's on the coin? Well, that's Caesar. Okay, we'll give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God what's God's. So it's really that simple. Just let the show go on. The show must go on. Just let it go on. You don't need to be part of it. You've got bigger and better things to do. You're here for a reason. Not to just hang out and watch the show. But you're here to expand and awaken. To awaken to the true self. To who you really are. And no longer label yourself as part of something that's so limiting. It's such a limiting concept. Oh, I'm a this. Oh, yeah, I'm a that. Oh, cool. Can we both be a this thing together? It's like Dr. Seuss, you know, like he really made fun of that stuff. Anyway, um, the next next part of the, the, these uh, pitfalls is like this, the, our ego and how we, how our ego just loves to hang out with us the whole way up this ascendance. <laughs> What I mean by ascendance, of course, is, is just that we're moving past these negative energies that have held us down for so many years, and we're waking up to our true nature. But the ego likes to hang out the whole time. Oh my gosh. I remember, um, I remember being in a meditative state, and I was, it just so happened that I got to, to go into meditation for like an hour. And that doesn't happen often in my house because of, I've got kids and a wife, and you know the house is just always busy. And I came home from work and it was like six o'clock and I'm like, I'm just going to meditate. No one's here. And I got into a deep state and I remember my ego talking to me and thinking something. I don't even remember what it was. It was just like some grandizement of self. And I was like, God, this ego, it's all the way up here too. And that was the thought I had. And it was just funny because I was like, yeah, like your ego just, you can't kill it. You can't, and you don't want to try that would be like um, trying to kill your shadow. Like you don't kill yourself. So you just kind of have to learn to love it and understand its nature. Um, but it is definitely there and it will, as you continue to evolve, it will sort of evolve itself with you and continue to talk to you and give you thoughts and labels and all that sort of stuff. It's just really nasty. <laughs> so just, just know that your, your ego is hanging out with you the whole time. And you just, you'll never get to a point where you're not with it, but you can understand it and you, you can, um, understand its tactics. Uh, the last thing I'll just mention as a spiritual pitfall is this idea of becoming a missionary. So we can become missionary, um, of this new pathway, right? Cause like in Mormonism and religion, it's all about conversion. Hey, we need to go get numbers. Hey, we need to go baptize the world. The world needs our message. Everybody needs our message. Everybody needs to believe in Christ. Trust me, you need to believe in this. This is what's going to make you happy. Trust me. And that personality can come out as you begin down this path. Now, it's probably more prevalent for people like myself that have served missions and that have been indoctrinated with the missionary concepts in religion. Um, but I'm sure anybody can do it. You know, it's just like, hey, I've got the truth or I've got this new cool thing, or I've got what's going to help you, right? It's always that. And this goes really well for MLMs, you know, MLMs that, that have like uh, health thingies. 
And it's always like, this product is what you need. Trust me. Trust me. It's just a psychological sell. I mean, that's what religion is anyway. You're just selling it. Like I realized that on my mission that I was selling um, I was selling religion. I was selling it. It was a psychological tactic and I became very good at it, I might add. Um, but not for the wrong reasons. I just learned how to do it well. Anyway, so becoming a missionary is a pitfall because you don't you don't know what's best for someone else. So here I am telling you all these different things that you could do to step into your true nature. But I'm really not trying to go out and knock on your door and tell you that you should do this. I'm simply just putting the message out there and if whoever finds it, finds it. And if it resonates with you, great. If it doesn't, I, it, it just doesn't matter. Um, I have no stake in the matter. Uh, but I do know that finding your true self is going to empower you and it's going to make you feel more confident and in love with yourself than you've ever been. So getting the missionary <laughs> preachers on and, and, and trying to share your message in a very proactive way is a pitfall because it's egoic, right? But what we can do is plant seeds. You know, we, we, we plant our seeds and we just let the, the plant grow up when it can. A person can only be ready when they're ready and you can't force it. it it's, it's, it's just so interesting because, you know, people, people will just come to you. The universe knows where you're at the, the electrical energy, the magnetic energy, and the vibrational energy will attract to you those that, those that are ready. It happened to me, perfectly happened to me. Like I was, I was changing my religion. I was questioning all these things. I was trying to shed old beliefs. And as I was doing that, I was really changing my energy because I was like, okay, I'm putting it on the table, God. Like show me, show me the, a better path, a better way. All of a sudden, these people start coming into my life because I was ready for it. I can just, I can go back and look at each interaction, each relationship and how it changed my life. I was just so grateful, you know? And so being a missionary is kind of the, um, the forcing way, right? The universe is going to do this for us. If we just allow it to work through us. But if we, we go and try to force it on others um, and, and telling them that, you know, or even just not, not, because rarely do we come, I know it's best for you, but what we do do is, is subtly, um, do that. And we, we think it too, you know, like, like my in-laws might still believe that they know what's best for us because they have the quote unquote truth and we've walked away from it. Right. It's really easy to get stuck in this missionary thing if you've been there before and it's a pitfall. So as we begin our spiritual path, we can look back and say, Oh, you know, I don't need to, I just don't have to have a stake. I don't need to be attached to outcomes. Attachment to outcomes is suffering, right? We have this suffering that we put ourselves through because we believe that it should be a certain way. And, that, you know, real true evolution of consciousness is not becoming the same. It's not all coming to the same uh, belief system per se, like a religion. What it really is, is integration of differences through love. When we love others, for who they really are, even when they're not the same, even when they're different, even when they hate, when we love other people, this is where the evolution advances greatly in our own self. And we don't have to let anyone take that from us because we, we are pure love and we can be love always. 
Hey there, thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Lucid Spiritual Podcast. I'd love to hear from you and answer any questions you may have, or if you'd like to share your story for others to hear right on my podcast, drop me a line by visiting my website at lucidspiritual.com or email me at love at lucidspiritual.com. Let's wake up the world together. Have a blessed day. Love is real.